following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. just say, first of all, uh, before we get started, um, a little prematurely, but I understand, um, Kent and Bev, it's the 20th anniversary this December of you birthing this church, and I want to be the first to say happy anniversary. Uh, our lives are better because of both of you. Truth, truth. Um, that was a lame applause, by the way, just so you know. I'm just, just, just wanting to say. Uh, look, your, your pastor and his wife are the single most authentic, real uh, pastors, people, parents, married couple, pastor to pastors uh, that you would ever realize. And it really just befuddles me if that is a good Southern word that anybody that would, would live within 100 miles of this church and not come here. I mean, I really, um, it's just the reality. Um, and I'm saying that from a sense that I'm the byproduct of their care um, uh, and their concern and sowing into my life, uh, moved me away from religion and more into relationship. And I'd love to tell you that was before I started preaching and pastoring a church, but it actually, uh, I, I'll never, I, I didn't realize how messed up I was until I started hanging around with Kent. And I realized I really, I got serious trouble going on in my life because of, uh, I see the authenticness of how much he is in real relationship with the Lord. It just made me realize I needed to go away and rethink some things. And now when I get around other preachers, I hold up every preacher's authenticity against the backdrop of Kent. And I really just don't have time for any of the rest of them. Amen. <laughs> I mean that sincerely. Um, other than my dad, uh, second greatest hero on the planet of mine is Kent Maddox. So I just want to say that from all sincerity, and I appreciate all that you've done in my life personally. So thank you. Uh, to be honest with you, that word was so good in the first service. Why don't we just play the video and I can go on home. In 1936, a man named Matthew Robinson, may or may not have heard of him, a black gentleman, went to the Berlin Olympics and ran a shattering 200-meter race. He shattered the Olympic and world record in the 200-meter dash. Unfortunately, you've probably never heard of Matthew Robinson. The reason that you've probably never heard of him is because though he shattered the Olympic record, he came in second place. He came in second place by four-tenths of a second to a man named Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens ended up winning four gold medals in the 1936 Berlin Olympics, went on to become an international superstar. Matthew Robinson went on to become a custodian at an all-white school in San Bernardino, California. He spent his life picking up trash, sweeping floors, and serving in the cafeteria. To make matters worse, Matthew Robinson was not only second in the Berlin Olympics and overshadowed by Jesse Robinson, he, uh, I mean, um, by Jesse Owens, he wasn't even the most famous person in his family. He had a little brother that ended up going on to play for the Brooklyn Dodgers named Jackie Robinson. 
They found a letter after Matthew Robinson passed away, and it really was heartbreaking, the journal. The journal basically, if I can just sum it up, basically said this. I don't understand how my life has been such a failure, how my life has been a sense of never being able to achieve anything of significance. I feel like that I have spent nothing but years of insignificance, of trial, of difficulty, of not mattering to anybody and not making a difference. And here's a man that ran the second fastest 200-meter race that if it had not been for Jesse Owens and four-tenths of a second, he would have been an international superstar. I can't help but think during this time how many of us continue to wonder these kind of things. Am I ever going to get a breakthrough? Am I ever going to find any joy? Are my prayers ever going to be answered? Is this virus thing going to ever lift? Am I ever going to get my job back? Is my relationship with my wife ever going to be fixed? Am I ever going to kick this addiction? Let me let all of us off the hook. Those sanctified and less sanctified in the room, we all got an addiction of some kind that we're battling. Mine are Snickers bars. <laughs> now, you, you laugh, but to be honest with you, that's, that, that's far less healthy than a lot of other things. You see, we're all battling things, and, and there are times I just wonder, am I ever going to be free? I mean, listen, to be honest with you, I've lost 10,000 pounds in my life. I've gained 10,001. It's, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a horrible cycle to go through this up and down, up and down, up and down. And, and I wonder at times, am I ever going to be where I can just walk through and be free of that? And, and maybe you feel that way today. Maybe you wonder, am I ever going to get to a place where I feel like I just have some peace in my relationships? Am I ever going to get up and get through the day and not feel like there's a storm about to blow through the horizon? I feel like that sometimes, even when things are good, I get up sometimes, I can't even enjoy the good because I'm just concerned that some, some other shoe is about to fall. And it has been that in this season multiplied. Just at every turn, when you think it couldn't get more challenging and more difficult, it just gets more challenging and more difficult. And we'd love for this to be over quickly, but it just seems like there is no end to it. Maybe we're like a man named... Matthew Robinson, that we are feeling and struggling with, are our lives making any difference? Are we moving forward in God's presence? I mean, it's wonderful to come and sing and to worship and sense God's presence, but then we walk out and battle this. You say, well, how do you know that? I know that because we've been battling that this week. We've had some of the greatest couple of services the last several weeks. God has sustained our church supernaturally through this crisis. Matter of fact, we have actually, we have actually gained members through the crisis in our church. It, it's, it's, been, it's been staggering what the Lord's doing. I got a letter from a lady in Illinois this week that said, uh, I, I don't go to your church. I didn't even know about you, but uh, I've noticed that you've been doing communion uh, for your church members and somebody that's a friend of mine that's a friend of mine that's a friend of mine shared your thing. And so I've been tuning in every night for the last 100 nights with you taking communion. And the Lord has so touched my heart, I've included my tithe check from Illinois. You know, what I'm saying to you is on the surface, everything looked good. And I got up Monday morning after a great service on Sunday and I sat in my study and I thought to myself, Lord, am I making a difference at all? 
Am I making a difference in anybody's life at all? And the enemy can take those, those moments and he can amplify them, pour, pour some fuel on them and make you feel like you just want to throw your hands up and quit. Am I preaching to the right crowd today? Anybody, can anybody here identify? The truth is, more of us are Matthew Robinsons than Jesse Owens or Jackie Robinsons. More of us feel like, man, I'm just almost there, and then it gets snatched away. Everybody else seems like they're fulfilling things in their lives, and I'm always just a step behind. I'm a step behind and a dollar short and, and uh, at the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. I have good news for you this morning. We can just keep advancing. If we can just keep advancing, we're going to see a breakthrough. I love our friend Chuck Pierce, that, you know, your friend, our friend at our church. You know, he came and preached something at our conference and said, you know, if, if every believer could get these two things, if they could get the power of first fruits and the power of just keep moving forward, if they could just do those two things and focus on those two things, they would have a rich spiritual life. Let me tell you, I looked, there's a great story in the scriptures. It's not really my message this morning, but I'll be quick because I know we got to be out of here and it's hard to sit in a mask for a long period of time for those that are wearing masks and, and um, even more because it's getting close to lunchtime. So I do understand that. Um, but I find it such a fascinating story of the power of advancing in the story of Ruth. Think about this for just a second. You know, Ruth finds uh, a lady named Naomi who's made her way into that land of Moab because of a famine in Israel. And then when all of the family dies, Naomi gets ready to go back to Israel. And Ruth and her other daughter-in-law, a, a, a lady named Orpha, decide to, they say, we're going to go back with you because both their husbands have died. Um, Naomi's both her sons. And we're going to go back with you. And when they get to the border of Israel, Naomi turns around and looks at the two daughter-in-laws daughter and says, look, there is nothing for you. There is nothing for you where I'm going. You need to go back to your families, back to your gods, back to your people. You just go home. There's, there's, where I'm going, there's nothing but sorrow. As a matter of fact, her name, she said, don't call me blessed anymore. Call me sorrow because I don't have anything but sorrows. She said, go home. And they both says, no, we're going to go with you. She says, no, really, I mean it. Go home. And Orpha says, well, if you insist, I'll go home. And she turns around and walks away. And you know this story, right, Ruth chapter 1. Ruth looks at her and says, where you go, I'm going. Where you lodge, I'm lodging. And the God you worship, that's the God I'm worshiping. And be it ever so severe to me if I don't trust you and trust the God that you're serving. And so she puts her arms around her mother-in-law and goes with her. Here's what's interesting. Did you know the two daughter-in-laws cross paths later in life? How about this? The great, great descendant of Ruth is King David. And the great, great descendant of Orpha is Goliath the giant. How about that? One daughter-in-law went forward and birthed the king. One daughter-in-law went back and birthed a giant-sized problem. Look, I'm telling you, come on somebody. Look, you might not think that you're advancing and stepping forward, but I'm telling you, if you can just find a way forward, even if you don't feel it, even if it doesn't look like it, even if you don't sense it, if you can just find a way forward, you are birthing king-size authority and killing king-size giants. Come on, somebody. Isn't that shocking to think that years later, their descendants would, face on, be, be, would be on a battlefield together? 
And one would look at the other and say, I know you're standing over there shouting and, and making a fit, but I'm telling you, today, this day, God has already delivered you into my hands. Find a way forward. This morning, this is what I want to talk about. What can you do if you feel insignificant, if you feel like you're not accomplishing what you want, if you don't have the peace you want, you wonder where this tragic story is going to find some landing place, when you're going to find some peace, when things are going to even out in your relationships, when you're going to find the job or, or get your hours fixed or whatever it is, how are you going to get all that fixed? Well, how can I actually move forward? I want to look at a very famous story uh, of an insignificant person in scripture. If you've got your Bibles this morning, I'll be quick, but go to Genesis chapter 29. Now in this story, there are several really, really famous people. And one person, I don't know that I've heard many sermons about in all my life sitting in church, but when I tapped into her story, I got really excited. So if you've got your Bibles, Genesis chapter 29, I'm going to start reading at verse 15. Anybody bring their Bible this morning? If you didn't bring your Bible, can you borrow somebody else's Bible? If you, if you don't have anybody's Bible you can borrow, please get your phone out. You need to look at this. Genesis 29, 15. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're waiting for him to put it on the screen, say hurry up. Amen. All right, here we go. So Jacob finds his way to his in-laws or his relative's house, Laban. This is where we pick this story up. Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me. What should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters, and the name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Now most all of us know Jacob and Rachel. They're famous. Famous in this story. Very seldom does anybody talk about the other person in this story, though. Though her story is significant, if you want to take a step forward and keep moving forward, you need to listen to her story here for the next 10 minutes. Her name is Leah. Verse 17 says, Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now, here's, what that, that, here, here's the kind way to say that. Rachel's really pretty, and Leah's not much to look at. The truth is, do you know what Leah's name means? It means weary wild cow. What parent in their right mind names their child Weary Wild Cow? But that's what Laban's named his daughter. Matter of fact, she is so ugly, evidently, that he doesn't think she can find a husband that we're about to discover that the only way he could get her married off is he's got to trick somebody to take her. Come on, somebody. Don't be pointing to nobody nearby. Here we go. Now, Jacob loved Rachel so much, he said, I'll serve you, Laban, seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than she be married to someone else. So you stay with me and serve me the seven years, and I'll give you my wife, my daughter, Rachel. Then Jacob said to Laban, verse 21, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go to her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast, and it came to pass in that evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. In other words, let me just sum up what happened. <laughs> it's wedding night. The bride covers up, got a veil on. The father sends his daughter into the tent to be married, and the man goes in and consummates the relationship without taking the veil off. So Laban thought, we could get, we could get a deal done here. So he slides Leah into the tent, 
Jacob has no idea. He, he, we're about to find out he's going to wake up in the morning, take the veil off, and something shocking's about to happen. Because you realize he's worked seven years, and he's thinking he's getting Rachel. Come on, somebody. He thinks he's getting the beautiful girl of the family, the younger one. He doesn't realize that his father-in-law is just as deceptive, come on, somebody, as he used to be. Now, listen, there's a story in that. If you're a deceiver, you might get deceived somewhere down the road. Come on now, be careful about that. So Laban gave his maid Zilpah to the daughter Leah as a maid, and it came to pass in the morning, verse 25, that behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why have you deceived me? And then Laban said, it's not right in our country to give the younger before the first. So you get the first. But if you'll work for me seven more years, then I'll give you Rachel as well. So Jacob does that. He ultimately gets Rachel, and it creates an incredible environment because his heart, understand this, his heart is in love with Rachel. And Leah is an afterthought that's like the unwanted baggage in the garage. And he treats her that way. And she feels that way. As a matter of fact, she is nothing but feeling like I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm never going to uh, have any value. I'm not going to fulfill any purpose. Matter of fact, let me put this first slide up and just show you how difficult her situations are. Look at this. We got this one. Consider her difficulties. Here they are. Her name means weary wild cow. Her husband doesn't want her. And he marries her sister that he loves more after her. Her sister... Rachel, we find out, hates her and resents her, and her father thinks so little of her that he sells her in marriage. Now listen, this is not good for your self-esteem. Can anybody agree? She thinks horribly about herself. She thinks there's no value to my life. I'm never going to get a breakthrough. I'm never going to find any peace. I'm never going to find any victory. So she goes to the only source that she knows where she can actually find some peace. She begins to talk to the Lord about what God can do for her. It says, verse 31, after the Lord, he, she talked to the Lord, that the Lord saw her pain and saw that she was unloved, and he opened her womb and closed Rachel's womb. Now listen, if you don't think God hears your prayers and, and, and takes them into account, think about this. God said, I'm going to make sure, I love this, I'm going to make sure Leah gets some justice. Come on, Come on somebody. I'm going to make sure Leah gets some justice. I see that she's unloved. I see that this situation's not working out. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close Rachel's womb and open her womb. Now, here's what's unfortunate. Even though her womb is open and she's the one providing children, it does not make Jacob love her anymore. As a matter of fact, even though he is producing children with her, he hates her even more. But Leah is smart. She carves out, you're going to hear this this morning, she carves out for herself in her relationship with God a path forward. Would anybody like to hear the path forward? Yes. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel any excited. I understand that they, they, they got your buffet on hold down there. I said, but would anybody like to have a way forward today? So listen to what she does. So she conceived she bears a son and she calls his name Reuben. Now let me just go through this real quickly. Then she bears another son and she calls his name Simeon. 
And then she bears another son and calls his name Levi. And then she bears another son and calls his name Judah. And then it says she stopped bearing. God put it on hold. She bears Jacob four sons, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Now you may think that's not important, but look up on your screen. Let me show you what their names mean. When she has Reuben, here's what she calls him. The Lord sees. Then she has Simeon, and you know what she names him? The Lord hears. Come on, somebody. Then she has Levi, and she names him Levi, and his name means my husband will finally become attached to me. In other words, God is going to answer my prayers. And then finally, she has a child named Judah that means I will praise the Lord no matter what. Do you realize what she began to speak with her own mouth, not about her circumstances, but about her God? Oh, come on, somebody. This is really important. Look, look, I'm for binding and loosing devils. I'm for it. But I think we spend way too much time shouting at the problem instead of elevating the solution. What she began to talk about is how big her God was. Put that slide back up one more time. What is she saying every time she calls the kids to lunch? God sees. Come on, somebody. God hears. God answers. And I'm going to get my now praise on. Come on, somebody. Every time it's time for school to start, what does she say about her God? God sees. God hears. God answers. I'm going to get my now praise on. Every time they have a family function and she calls the kids in, what's she prophesying? Come on, say it with me, everybody. God sees, God hears, God answers. I'm going to praise him no matter what. Got my now praise on. I love this. The more controversial and difficult the circumstances, and you think, well, it's going to get better. It actually doesn't get better. Her sister hates her even more. Hates her even more. And despite the hatred and the difficulty, what does she keep saying? Put it, back, put, put it back up there. Don't take it down. Put it back up there. What is it? Stop taking our answer down. Put our answer back up there. What does she say, everybody? Come on, say it with me. God sees. God hears. God answers. I'm going to get my now praise on. Now, you're thinking, well, that's just a good pep talk. Would anybody like to hear how this ends up? Listen, here's what's amazing when you start beginning to realize the outcome of Leah's life. How about this, everybody? Did you know that every priest in the Bible comes through Leah's lineage? Put it up, put that next slide up if you don't mind. Let me, let me just begin to show you. In, in other words, that's Moses, that's Aaron, that's Miriam, that's the first five books of the Bible, that's all the Ten Commandments, that's every priest in the entire Bible comes as an answer, come on somebody, comes as an answer to her seeing, saying, God sees, God hears, God answers, I'm going to praise him no matter what. Oh, it gets even better. How about this for some of the other descendants of Leah? It says that Caleb was one of her descendants. He was one of only two who entered into the promised land. He was stronger at 85 than he was at 45 in Joshua chapter 14. How about this? All these came from Leah's line. Boaz, who redeems Ruth, who becomes the great-grandfather of King David. 
Also, from King David's line, we have David, we have Solomon, we have the Psalms, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. All of that comes through her line. You know why? Because she just kept advancing by saying, come on with me, God sees, God hears, God answers, I'm gonna praise him no matter what. Isn't that good? On top of that, I love this. I don't know which one is the next one. Just put it up and let's figure it out. Oh, how about this? You remember when Rachel dies in childbirth with Benjamin, that it's actually Leah that adopts Benjamin and raises him? If it's not for Leah, there's no King Saul. There's no Apostle Paul. There's no Revelation 21. And there's none of the New Testament because she takes Benjamin as her own child. You don't think that you forging forward with something like God sees, God hears, God answers, and I'm going to praise him no matter what doesn't make a difference. How about this? From Leah's line, put our last one up, or not next to last if you don't mind. Here's what comes from her line. Every high priest, every king of Judah, all of the judges, come on somebody, all of these prophets... Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Ezra, Nehemiah, Amos, Habakkuk, Joel, Micah, Obadiah, Zephaniah, everybody in the Christmas story, Joseph, Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah, and the prophetess who met them in the temple, and Jesus, your Messiah, all because, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Isn't that exciting? All because, all because somebody just kept taking a step forward. God sees, God hears, God answers, I'm going to praise him no matter what. You see, you might not think you're making a difference. You might get overwhelmed and think that somebody else ran four-tenths faster. You might think somebody in your family's a little, a little more famous. You might look at somebody across the street and think their marriage is a little better and their house is a little nicer and their job's a little better and they don't have any struggles. That's a lie, but you know, the devil likes to tell us that. You look at those situations and you just want to throw up your hands and quit. I have good news. If you'll just keep stepping forward, you'll birth a king. Come on, somebody. Keep advancing. You say, well, Kevin, I don't have a cool testimony about like Leah's. Well, just steal hers till you get your own. It works. God sees. God hears. God answers. I'm going to praise him no matter what. Listen, if you don't think it works, there's a, I don't know, somewhere in the Old Testament, somewhere there's a really cool scripture that says that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth just looking for somebody, somebody that's his child. If you don't think that God sees, I'm telling you, he does. How about Psalm 100 verse 5 that says God's good all the time. His mercy endures forever. You know what I got excited about that? Did you know that the Bible says that your trials are temporary, but his mercy is everlasting? Listen, did you, did you hear what that means? That means that his mercy has no expiration date, but your trials do. Has anybody ever gone in the back of the refrigerator and found something you forgot about? This happens regularly at my house. I, and the reason it happens is because I've got one child that likes to eat my leftovers and I try to hide them from her. And, and so every once in a while, I'll hide a piece of seafood because she's a seafood junkie and I'll hide it thinking I'm being clever and I'll forget about it. And about six months later, I'll find it. And it is really awful. There's nothing worse than expired food. 
with a bad smell. But here's the good news. The mercy of God never expires on your life. That's God hears your, your needs. Amen. God is attuned to what's going on to you. God sees, God hears. Guess what? God is going to answer. He is going to answer. I promise you he's going to send the answer. If I've learned nothing else in the last 141 days, here's what I've learned. I've learned everywhere in scripture, God answers, God answers, God answers, God answers, God answers. He hears your request and he's already sent an answer. Come on somebody, isn't that good news today? Now, I'm done, but let me close with one last cool fact. You're gonna love this. Don't put the, don't put the slide on the screen yet, hang on. Remember how this started. Leah's name is Weary Wild Cow. Leah, Leah is despised by her sister, hated her husband, rejected her, doesn't want anything to do with her. He hates her. He despises her. Can you imagine? After, after he has intimacy with her on their wedding night, takes the veil off and looks at her and screeches, Where's my real wife? Goes out and has an argument with her father right in front of her. And the rejection of this woman, I'm, can I just be honest with you? If I'm her, I'm probably just shut down at that point. I'll probably just go sit in the corner and think, man, I'm just doomed. Her father doesn't love her. Her husband despises her. Her sister hates her. Every place she turns, she can't find any justice anywhere. And yet God hears her request and opens her womb. And she responds by saying about God how wonderful God is. You know what? Have you ever read Psalm 91? It's famous, right? It's a big one. I, I, you know, it's, it's, but have you, have you ever realized what David says here? He says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, for I will say of the Lord. He didn't say, I will say of my circumstances. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him I will trust. And he goes on and on. You see, he began to elevate how big God was. So what did God do? He goes, because you've made the Lord your refuge, verse 9, and your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor any plague come near your dwelling. He will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their, come on, somebody. In their hands, they'll bear you up so you don't dash your foot. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the serpent. You'll trample under your feet, and he will set you on high. You will call upon him, and he will answer you. He will be with you in trouble, deliver you, and honor you, and give you long life, and satisfy you in every area of your life. Come on. Come on. But what triggered that? He said of the Lord. He said of the Lord, what triggered it for Leah? She said of the Lord, God sees, God hears, God answers. I'm going to praise him now. So let me, hold on, let me conclude. You're going to love this. Jacob hates her. Her father doesn't think she can even find a husband. Her sister despises her. She goes through all of this, has all of this lineage. You understand that when people went to get buried after their life, who they were buried with in this culture made a huge difference. Put our last slide up on the screen. When Jacob dies, if you read your Bible, he actually chooses to be buried with Leah, not Rachel. Did you know that basically, finally at the end of his life, her saying of the Lord and moving forward 
turned the heart of her husband where he wanted to be associated eternally in all of his lineage. That's all the way back to Abraham, and that's all the way forward. He wanted to be associated with Leah, not Rachel. Wow. My God. Come on. Look, maybe you're here this morning and you think you're a Matthew Robinson. You've toiled for 30 years just praying quietly and feel like there's, there's no attention to you and there's no answers to you and you're not celebrated. You don't ever have one of those big old testimonies where you showed up, somebody bought you a car and bought you this and bought you that. You're just wondering, when's God gonna see me? You're wondering when you're gonna ever have some peace over that trial that you've been struggling when am I ever going to stop just messing it up when am I ever going to get a place of breakthrough in my relationship when am I ever just going to find a place of peace are you advancing forward are you birthing a king are you birthing a giant because the difference in birthing a king and birthing a giant is will you advance forward? will you go forward even though you don't see the answer and what's your, what's your movement forward going to look like? Look, if you don't have something yet, just steal Leah's. I get up every morning and part of my prayer is this. God, you see. God, you hear. God, you answer. I'm going to praise you now. This morning, I, I couldn't help but think it, it actually says, um, it says of um, Judah, I will praise you in the now. You know, I, we were sitting on um, Kent's brand having a, cup of coffee this morning and he said something so profound as he always does that I thought I didn't want to tell him what I was that that praise was a now praise as he said it I got so excited that he said you know our biggest struggle always is our past or our future that if we could just live in the now we could have peace and he mentioned, and I don't mean if it's a future sermon to steal it, but I thought it was so good. He said, you know, on both sides of the cross, we see this, this tension. We see one thief that says, please forgive me of my past. And one thief says, please remember me in your future. And they failed to miss the power of the presence. God sees, God hears, God answers. I'm gonna praise him now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes real quietly? Listen, if you're here this morning, it's going to take a bold step. If you're here this morning, you say, this is exactly how I feel. I feel insignificant. I feel like I'm struggling. I feel like the world is stacked against me. When am I ever going to get a breakthrough? When am I ever going to find some joy? When am I ever going to find a peace? Look, I don't want you to look around and open your eyes to see if anybody's standing. If that's you, would you take a huge step of faith and jump to your feet real quickly? Well, you know it's you or not you. Is that how I feel? Am I struggling? Am I ever going to find some peace? Come on, we'll give you about 15 seconds because we're going to pray for you. Come on, jump to your feet right now. Look, I know some of you, you're, you're strongly spiritual, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm a, I'm a preacher that's been serving in the same church for 25 years. I feel that way. Dadgummit. Have to fight it off. I do, I'm telling you, I have to fight it off. What if this is your Kiros moment? What if this is your moment right here, right now, where you begin to step forward. Don't let pride, don't let something else rob you. Come on, we got about 10 more seconds. I know I can't count. We got about 10 more seconds. I feel like there's about 50 more people. Come on, I'm, I'm telling you. This is the spiritual side over here, but I'm, I'm speaking to you right now. Come on, there's, there, there's a bunch of you know. What if this is your moment? 
What if this is your moment right now? If you're already standing, I want you to begin to just hold your hands up, half mass, full mass, whatever's comfortable for you. And I want you to start saying Leah's prayer. God sees. God hears. God answers. I'm going to praise him right now. Come on, about five more seconds. Anybody else? Come on, you need to get on your feet. What if this is your moment that God births you into something significant where you don't feel like you're a Matthew Robinson that you've wasted your whole life in insignificance watching somebody else get the victory and you die thinking that you never mattered? You know what's strange is that man had thousands of people show up at his, his funeral to say how impactful he was. You have no idea how impactful you are. The enemy wants to keep you from moving forward. Anybody else before we pray? Come on, real quickly, last opportunity. All right, Father, right now, you see every single person that's standing in this auditorium. Lord, we believe this is a, a powerful moment in the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord, today that you're about to break through in the lives of your people right now. And Lord, we believe in the name of Jesus that we are stepping forward. God, we don't know how this is gonna end. We don't even know what tomorrow's gonna bring. All we know is you're gonna sort it out and make it happen. We thank you, Lord, as we begin to decree and declare that we're stepping forward. We believe that the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. We believe that you're reordering our day and our time and our place. And we believe that you're moving us forward right now in the name of, come on, just pray in the Holy Ghost just a second, everybody. Come on, just pray in the Holy Ghost right now. This, um, this girl right here, this, this girl right, right, can you wave at me? Yeah, you, right there. Yeah, brown shirt. Yeah, that's you, right there. As I'll begin to pray, I can't see your face because I can't see that far anymore. I'm about to be 55. Can't drive 55 anymore, amen? As I saw you stand, the Lord said he has already begun to order the next 90 days of your life. He's already... That, that you're gonna see in the next 90 days a significant reordering. There's a new job coming. There, there, seriously, the Lord said there's a new there's a new assignment that you're about to step into, and it's gonna fulfill it's gonna fulfill something for, for the future that you've been concerned about, and it's gonna sew up something in the past that's been over your head. So you need to join. Look, for the next 90 days, it's it's not about what you see; it's about what the Lord sees. So you need to join yourself to him. Just pray this prayer. Lord, you see, you hear. And whatever the enemy brings, you don't listen to his lie. I, I love what a good friend of ours said. said, the Lord is the lion of the tribe of Judah that roars, and the devil's just a gummer. He doesn't have any teeth. So I want to tell you right now, these next 90 days, God is getting ready to ordain your steps. Amen? That's powerful. Thank you, Lord, today. Come on. Lord, we praise you today. We thank you so much for your goodness. Listen, if somebody's standing near you and you're, you've got some faith to pray, would you just stand and if you can't feel, feel uncomfortable putting your hand on the shoulder, would you just extend your hand towards them and Pastor Kent, would you just come and let's pray over them and believe that God is about to give a breakthrough today. Come on, say it with me one more time. God sees, God hears, God answers, 
I will praise him no matter what. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.